Welcome to the Heretex Podcast. You can get us at heretex.io or send us email at feedback at heretex.io. We'd love to hear your thoughts about the show and whether perhaps you'd like to join us for a chat yourself. It's time to talk about change. Hey, we've already thrown everything out, out the window right now this episode. So why don't we just have, have a ball with it? It's uh, like three monkeys playing chess. Well, I've actually renamed, I think, the, the podcast. We, we wanted to call it Heretex. <clears throat> and then we were doing this, like, whole monkeys, chess, Cartesi, three-dimensional, whatever. I really think it's, it's more basic than that. It, it's, it's, uh, it's elephants that have no clue. <laughs> right. Elephants cannot dance. Yes. Elephants <laughs> cannot, cannot dance. dance. Actually, okay. one of the funny things. Okay, so I, I do not want to name names here, but I saw an internal... Uh, strategy deck uh, produced by the CTO of a very large bank in Singapore, and uh, the uh, the front uh, the front slide was a picture of two elephants dancing. <laughs> right. <laughs> I just thought, there you go. That, that, really, you didn't have to have any of those slides. Just two elephants dancing. That's it. That covers it. Well, but that's the reason for the podcast, right? I mean, we we will essentially teach. Your elephant to dance. Exactly. That's the that's the very very unreliable claim we're making. <laughs> yeah, focus on unreliable. That's why we have experts, not not yes, not just an eye. Uh, experts like Axel, yes, exactly. who I'm, I'm totally dominating mm-hmm. stuff. Axel, please uh, introduce yourself. Uh, what you do today? You know, if there's some relevant background, and then we'll go from there. Sounds great. Hey. Talking about experts, it's not me, it's you, you two guys. Uh, you have, in the last 100 years, built, built modern IT, right? So I'm, I'm just a newcomer with my 49 years. Um, yeah, that was meant to be a joke. I, I'm, I see that, that my humor is not, not well known. What well, am I doing? It's, uh, it, it, it's very unwise to tease Mark about his age. It's a sense of these days. <laughs> Although yeah. I, I know the bank, I know the CIO, I know the two elephants. So sorry. So um, and I, I'm with you there. I do not believe elephants can dance. And when the book came out um, uh, decades ago, I uh, I thought it sounded it sounded like a good idea. And then having worked with that organization uh, for a bit, and and uh, subsequently um, with other elephants, I I think that that is. That work will that will never work out, and we have not done that where I am now. Where am I? Who am I? Axel Winter. Um, I'm the CTO at uh, uh, Central Group, and I have worked in GE. I have worked in uh, uh, as, as Justin as you did, uh, Standard Chartered Bank. I, I run the architecture uh, global architecture roadmap, but also as a consultant, I was CTO at Cisco. Uh, so also I came I came around a bit and have seen work with many startups, open source folks, and um, and of course some corporates. And Central Group and and there's a it's a it's a really it's an interesting company in itself. It's probably not not well known in the in the US, um, but it's a retailer. It's a core. It also has hotel business, hospitality, restaurants, uh, mainly across Asia, uh, Thailand, Vietnam being the top markets in Asia. Uh, amongst others, and then Europe, Italy, uh, Germany, Denmark, and uh, and then some. Uh, wow, so about a lot, a lot more global than just you know just Bangkok or Thailand or Asia. It really is a global footprint. Right, and as 
as many as many dated organizations, shall I say all, uh, it's, a, it's a big corporate, has been successful in its own right, of, uh, about, I think, 80, 90,000 uh, type of staff, maybe towards uh, 13 billion annual revenue in US. And, you know, again, well done. And retail in Thailand is also fundamentally different from, from, from America. So if you're thinking about closing stores, uh, you go to malls in Asia and specifically Thailand. It's a it's a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle question. You go for movies. You go for for good food and and entertainment and of course for shopping. Right now, as any other company, they had uh, they had their ERP platforms and uh, the point of sale. And I mean, you you know how this how this goes. And uh, here and there, uh, some websites. Uh, I mean, everything which people would would do and and they work with consultant companies and so on as they should. There's nothing. Nothing negative about that, but of course, we, as we all know, that that over the last couple of years, their new entrants came into the market as foreseeable, as it always happened over the last 20, 25 years since the internet started, which, by the way, I started in Thailand as well. It's uh, um, helped to uh, to open up some of the uh, internet pops here and in Laos, in, um, in Myanmar and Indonesia. And, you know, then these companies accelerate these new companies and they start like Lazada, like eBay, like Amazon, of course, over time, they accelerate and they become very good in what they do. Customers uh, have a new choice. They like it out of uh, price reasons, convenience reasons, whatever. And then at some point, of course, you say, hey, what are we going to do? Can we this is this is going to be bigger and people are going to buy buy online, they, they, they shop online, they Buy tickets online. They do banking online, as we as we all know, being bankers, and and then, you know, we had started a conversation, uh, the the management team and and me, and saying, hey, could you could you come over and help us think this through? And then I said, well, you know, I'm in a bank now, and I know how 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 corporate IT works, and what I want to do is really build core capability. I want to build. A IT team or a tech team, like you would in a in a startup, like you would in any, in, let's say in a, in a in a in an agency, tech agency of some sort, right? I really I really want to go out, uh, buy top expertise or, or get them in, people who have passion for technology, not because I pay them a, a high salary, but who want to do the job because it's fun, who hang out in the weekend at night because they they love to do what we all what we all do for all of our lives now. This was and imagine this, that, Axel. Imagine that. You're having fun doing technology in IT <laughs> organizations. Exactly. That's really seems like a novel concept. That's just crazy talk. We can't allow this. This fun thing, crazy talk. You, you... Let me apologize. <laughs> so I got, I got to ask, Axel. So I thought it was really interesting. So obviously, looked up your background, and you know, I knew your long banking uh, career and, and doing IT in other organizations. And you'd moved to Central Group uh, as a CTO. But then I also noticed this other line called Central Tech. So is that the, the IT organization you built essentially from scratch to kind of ch change the tenor and perspective of IT and the value yes. of it? Spot on. And, and this is exactly the, the answer to, to that, riddle, that riddle. And that's why this whole elephant dancing thing is um, uh, in my view, is a PR thing, right? Uh, as so many, unfortunately, big corporates uh, go down that that marketing, tech marketing route. What 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 really I found works very well is okay. Of course, you need an ERP system of some some finance platform, and someone has to take care 
and it's not the same as building uh, digital products. And so what we have done is we split it. My my job, I report to the CEO, and my job is to uh, being measured by revenue, of course. The job is to build new digital tools which allow the company omnichannel e-commerce whatever you want to call it crm ai uh, the whole the whole shebang um exactly what everybody else is doing but build a new agency start from the green field do not start with okay we have some old legacy things please use them uh, no new do it by by the way you'd wanted it and have fun doing it that was the idea from the beginning and the word fun happened even in the interview I mean, my boss, that's exactly what he said to me. We want to make sure we want the hard work. We want the hard work. We want tough deadlines, four months, six months a pop. And we definitely want to have fun by doing it. That, that's the way we see it. We had fun yesterday. Yeah, totally. Yeah. We, had, we had cake. Yeah. We had cake and we had a release party for our, our latest platform release. And here's <laughs> my question. Um, a lot of banks have been through a... Um, a, a transformation, and often the word that is used is digital transformation, which which could mean everything and nothing, um, depending on who is using it. And one of the strategies has been to to build a, a another organization, a digital organization, to drive that transformation. And in a lot of cases, it doesn't work. And I just just wondered if you had a view on. What makes it work? When it would work? When it doesn't work? Yeah, that's a good, and that's an excellent point. So let me relate a bit. So we we actually literally it's an it's an independent company uh, which uh, which we have uh, set up, um, which which I which I manage and HR processes and and like salary grids and promotional cycles, all of these things, which we are down. Uh, especially people who coming from startups and, and, and tech companies, we, we adjusted them. So we, I mean, our offices looking as good as uh, maybe in Asia, Lazada and Shopee and so on. And again, we, we, we are not quite as rigid as, um, um, as the rest. So this is, this is one thing. The other thing is because of the merit of, of reporting to the CEO and the other business heads, uh, we are kind of, we are one management team. I, I can also share my views. Of hey, I think we we could we could focus a bit more on that and this. This is not that that I call the shots. No, of course the CEO calls the shots, but but I have a voice in in that discussion. Um, and how we form the teams, how we invest. So we have a we have a development center in Bangkok. I we have one in Budapest, and I just opened one in Ho Chi Minh uh, to make sure we have the right mix of uh, of talent uh, serving serving uh, our group. And with with the main team being in Bangkok, though, is it. There is there's a lot of flexibility for me to do it. I'm not you know I don't have to say hey there's a project uh, X Y Z and this is the this is the job code and this is the this is this is the budget we have for this and if the budget is over you either deliver or you you kill the project right and we this is not the way it works. I I think about it strategically. I write a product. I mean in the sense in the agile sense of developing a set of products, uh, having an epic and so on. So and and, and uh, rolling up to a roadmap. So I think about the architecture, the pieces which we need, the team structure required. Uh, and of course, I have to work with my partners in the business. Of course, they understand their job better. Of course, they know uh, what customers want, assuming I give them the right data um, and so on. And and I, of course, I have to work and listen to them. Makes sense because they are experts in, in what they do, but I'm expert in what I do. And my team is expert in what they, uh, what they contribute. And that teaming, 
never happened in a bank I have worked with. Not once I have seen that in a in a bank. I'm, I'm, and I'm happy to learn, by the way, I'm very happy to be wrong about these things, right? Uh, I get a lot of joy about seeing people, hey, we're doing the same thing, and here is what we're doing, Axel. Hey, take a look. Yeah, I think we do better. You can learn from me. Hey, I'm happy to learn. That's uh, you know, that's what keeps me going. Yeah, yeah I, I have to say, I think the the concept that you're talking about, where there is one team and at the top of the organization, and the the person such as you with expertise in the use of these new technologies and how to exploit them, and what some of the organizational strategies need to be in order to exploit them, uh, having that voice um, at the same table and creating a real team, I think is fantastic. There's a, there's, there's a concept from John Maxwell, you know, who wrote Seven Dysfunctions, uh, uh, sorry, not uh, Patrick Lencioni, rather, sorry, uh, who wrote Seven Dysfunctions of a Team and the Advantage. And one of his ideas is you are a member of the team you're in before you're a member of the team you lead. What that means is your first priority is for the management team that you are in. So in your case, Axel, you're in the management team of the whole business. You're in a team with the CEO, and that's where your priority is. And you then drive that alignment down into the team that you lead. And I, th I think that that's a really, I think it's a difficult thing to do in a large organization, which is what you're saying, right? Powerful. Yeah, that's a powerful sentence. Um... That's a good quote. Yeah, let me let me ponder this uh, later tonight uh, a bit more. I and and you're right. I mean, my organization is and 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 to be honest, I learn from my management team probably more than I contribute in many ways uh, because they each of them is expert in their own in their own right. What I would say is that my organization is around 200 people, and uh, just just shy of uh, 200, and we have hired about 100 last year. This year about. Um, 25-ish, um, and you know, the organization is obviously very big, the overall business organization. And if, if I'd say what is a challenge is dealing with the, with the big brother, uh, kind, of, kind of speak, right? And if I have one business unit and they have 20,000 people, then um, uh, of course we are not working with all of the 20,000, but you, you, as you know, big organizations have the tendency having many departments, uh, approval flows and and what have you, and in effect that that can be that can be challenging, and we also expect we are not I mean obviously we are not Accenture um, we expect and I expect the business to carry their own and of course and that's what they are, they also want to do uh, but then you can see that some of these items are are not that simple I mean if you you have done something over twenty years and then suddenly some kids come and say well I want you to change it and here's here's uh, here's some. Here's our platform. So, so uh, you know, have good fun, guys, and have uh, enjoy yourself. And then you 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 know that this is not gonna work. It's not that simple, right? For anyone, it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be simple. It couldn't be, right? So it takes it takes also some friction, um, and it's a it's a it's a challenge in that. But what what I would believe is, if the people on 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 from e from all departments, uh, uh, being business, enabling function, IT, tech. Um, if they want to do it and they respect each other and their team, they have a core, the idea of teaming, they can pull together and do it. This is the yeah, trick, yeah. people teaming. That's a really powerful idea. It's a really, really powerful idea. Could you talk a little bit, I'm really fascinated about the, the development centers that you have. 
Yeah, but Budapest. I, I super got jealous that you get to. I love Budapest. It's just a wonderful city. Um, and so I'm super jealous that you get to go there. How do you manage these different development environments within an agile uh, construct? Because a lot of large companies, um, banks as well, have been through this cycle of outsourcing, offshoring, etc. And you know, in many cases, there's been problems with the quality of the code and the integration of the code back into the core product at the center. So how do you guys manage that? In effect, Justin, you would know this, this center actually, you must have worked with some of the people after, after I left GE, coming to think of it. Um, these are people like, like uh, Iswan, Geja and, and um, um, Sabolks. Uh, so they, uh, um, yeah, so, so, so we, we have, uh, some of us, we have, uh, we staked together across different, uh, different roles we had. Um, and then as I came to Central, I said, well, you know, I, I, I really need some heavy lifting here in, in some areas, in application integration, so an ESP abstraction to the old, uh, to the old world, which I still need to integrate with. Uh, you think about some of the inventory uh, and point of sale stuff. Um, I need, I need really heavy lifting there. And in Budapest, it's probably easier to, to find developers who have developed for 10 years and, and more, uh, who are really expert in, in their, in their area. Uh, in Asia, you tend to sometimes not not entirely, so no 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 offense, but some people, of course, there are quite a lot of people who want to make career and they have the different different uh, uh, interests um, as they as they get older. Uh, so from that from that perspective, we have a we have a fair mix. What I would think is um, there are a few thoughts in my mind on this. One is my feeling is that a lot of very big multinationals they overdo it. They think about um, technology delivery as a quantity problem to solve. And then you get into, I remember at GE at one time, we had 100,000 uh, offshore staff doing uh, uh, development work, either contract or, or in-house, whatever it was. And, you know, uh, Standard Chartered Bank raised, there's about 10,000 people in IT, give or take a few hundred. And, you, you know, the problem is it's not a quantity issue. It's a quality problem, right? So you need to always go back to the quality of the people, not to the quantity. And it's so difficult to explain it to business managers. And unfortunately in IT over the last uh, uh, couple of years, uh, we also got a lot of business managers uh, and they always think about this as a quantity issue, which is, which is, simply, is simply the whole wrong, thing, whole wrong way to think about. So when we then talk about quality is that, first of all, if I have super experts, people who have done this for 10, 15 years um, in, in Budapest uh, or in Bangkok, or in, in, in this case in, um, in Ho Chi Minh, probably focusing a bit more on our Vietnamese market, uh, using our our core framework, and you know, then people people have a better starting position, a better foundation of having the discussion. So we sponsor a lot of workshops across uh, across the three locations. Of course, we use Slack and Jira. Of course, we think about how do we break down uh, delivery pieces so that makes sense. Hey, maybe let's say the Budapest team takes care. A uh, certain part of integration, uh, certain frameworks. For example, we integrate with JD.com. Um, uh, so John Venture we have in Thailand um, with them for marketplace and financial services. So we, so the Budapest team uh, kind of owns our marketplace connector uh, framework, and and they keep working and improving on that. And there's a product roadmap for that. Um, so there is some thinking to be done, but again, 
goes down or if people want to work together, pick up the phone, talk every day, or are they hating each other? Are they jealous? Are they empire builders? Are they business managers who, who cannot relate to content? Well, of course, uh, I mean, technical content that is, then, then, you know, that wouldn't work. So it is also an attitude. And I, I had a very good discussion with the CTO of Agoda a couple of, couple of weeks ago. Um, I was very impressed uh, by him on his notion of culture first. I mean, there is, and it's, it's a saying on the internet quite a lot, culture eats uh, strategy for breakfast, but the, the, the d detail of attention he puts to culture uh, and building, um, um, building it. And the same we heard from, from Mark Zuckerberg, and you can be critical of Facebook as an organization, but what I've heard and the caring um, and the way people work together, um, to my impression, is very good. And we have tried to, um, in, in our small way, uh, the same that we're saying, hey, there is culture, there is family, there, there we have to work together, we have to help each other. And if there is a, if there is someone creating poison, if there is someone to um, kill the peace, well, then we have to talk, talk with these people or this person. What's the issue? What are the reasons? Um, can we help? Can we move people around the um, our organization to facilitate? Um, I think this is this is probably a core core issue and a, a core topic to focus on, and it's a very complex thing to to manage culture to to be very honest hugely hugely complex uh, i think we we tend to woefully underestimate how challenging that can be and yeah i mean many organizations that i've that i've walked into uh you know been very siloed fractured a lot of distrust uh and so if you're trying to put in things like agile methodologies before you've addressed the culture issues, well, all you're doing is creating agile and silos. I don't even, I, I don't even know what, if, if there's a term for that. Scrum full. <laughs> <laughs> Good one. Uh, and what you're saying is that what you've, you've tried to focus on, it sounds like you've done a, a very good job of instilling this, is creating that generative culture and creating that trust in the teams, but I also think that also has impacts in the trust with the business owners in all of your in all the groups you're working with. Right? So it's trust both down the team, but across the business, just like you were saying before, with managing your peers, then managing down to the team. Yeah. 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 I mean, trust building trust in in teams um, is is a complex topic, and and it's it's really important, particularly when uh, to your point, Axel. If we think about the quality versus quantity problem, and I completely agree. Uh, I think that there's an increasing trend now in the software engineering uh, world to to try and find fewer top-end engineers that are real 10x developers hmm. as opposed to hiring a hundred people, you know, that are essentially new to the game. Um, you know, there, are, there is a place for that and, and it's very important for us to invest in the younger engineers coming up so that they get their experience. Um, so there needs to be a mix, but the, the value of having a small team of 10x engineers is unbelievable yeah and in that environment they have to trust each other yeah 
you need uh, i mean 10 10x engineer is it's a good term 10x of course from the google context is a bit over um, overused but but that being said is you really want very powerful people at the core um and them making the, the also the right decisions empowering them uh, and again if if uh, there has to be trust across uh, across the different um, people and teams i mean this is a people business in the end and then um and then it's also for me it's uh, it's to 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 empower uh, to learn to make sure to to pick up on frictions and um intelligently manage them and that's not that's not always easy and, and i i wouldn't say i'm always successful and again i'm happy to hear from the two of you um you, your experience there this is this can be at times tough we had some some also some issues there of course um as anyone anyone who has been in this job would would uh, acknowledge um because it's um it's quite common but that that is the trick people should not come to work and be afraid they should not come to be to work and be be stressed by talking to someone else they should come to work and and not every day enjoy because we we are humans we don't we, we always uh, have something to to grumble about but on the other side yeah most of the times we should be we should be quite happy and uh, and then focus on on getting the job done and and deliver right and 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 have the things which i need to do that that on every uh, on every level yeah yeah i think uh yeah you're spot on yeah but i think as as an industry and working with very large organizations like you know we all have yeah i think there's been a little bit of mistrust if you are a software engineer wanting to work with these large organizations uh, and i think particularly it was in this cycle where there was this heavy emphasis on to your point the quantity equation and figuring well gee instead of having a hundred engineers in some high cost location and yet a thousand engineers in some low cost center and i think a lot of that drove this huge momentum towards Let's outsource everything. And I'd really, I'd love to hear like if you have any kind of perspectives on is is there a place for that uh, in signing these you know mega huge contracts with these big outsourcers? Uh, will that still be a thing? Is it going away? Is it going to be a balance? I and mean, what's your perspective there? Yeah, I I mean the outset for me would be is. And so one of the things which 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 I did when I came came in again with with my boss and and and, and the other managers what's kind of the operating model who who do we want to be when we when we grow up right and um, you know how do we work together and and so on. and so so the area of capability building and 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 growing uh, in house capabilities was important and as such though is you also have to be honest with yourself of what is it that I cannot do or where it does not make sense to do something because hey, I can I can get a, a super service. So I would not personally I would not want to rebuild Gmail. I may as well just go to gmail.com and use it, right? Um, and could that be the answer? I mean, I I, I talked to a McKinsey consultant again, uh, all in good intent, uh, a very long time ago, fifteen or ten years ago, and then we argued a bit why not building own servers? And he said, well, why would you do that? That's stupid. That's that's a commodity. Just buy it from there, make a good contract. Well, then we see who is the biggest uh, or, or in the top five of from, uh, uh, customers of Intel Corp. Uh, we have Google and Facebook and Amazon. I mean, now now think about that, right? So they actually went ahead, built their own servers and 
um, and that's a that's a great idea for them because that's the business they are in they are in nowadays. So what being the point is, what is it that we insource and outsource is is depends on um, the strategy of the organization where they want to differentiate, where they want to add value, and um, there is a sense. So we again we convert a business unit in four to six months uh, with our framework, and we put uh, we put some distinct differences into into each of the if the businesses let's say this is the mvp plus period um and then as and then we uplift uh, let's say in the second half and then next year we'll start uplifting and um uh increased differentiations now when you then go to india so and i go to banking and i say well but the problem is they need to customize but they don't differentiate they customize commodity and the problem with that is that what well, is that you buy a software solution. We talked about Sonatrata to CCMS or Hogan or uh, whatever else uh, there is. And I'm sure you, you have some good examples, um, both in the in the mainframe world, also in the older Java world, like Java Java two type of type of applications. And the vendors themselves they also spread the asset, right? They cannot invest or they haven't invested. They cannot invest anymore because it's too expensive. So they they run down their software. And someone has to has to maintain this stuff, right? Um, so you have you have a lot of outsourcing and offshoring just to just to keep the light on, uh, keep the ball rolling, and and get this organization uh, keep them alive. Now, when you then so this is this is one big reason, and I don't this is going to go away in a very long time because we all thought AS for hundreds are dead twenty years ago, and they're still around. Um, and the other thing is that there are still clearly some people falling into um that trap even with new tools to do that but less so i i would say every discussion i have on conferences or um a business business get togethers and gatherings it's always about how do i build capability how can i do it myself what do i outsource and when i outsource i go for a SaaS module again i go for gmail i don't build gmail myself i go for gmail and then I don't have to worry about anything, right? I don't worry about a sweatshop shop in, in any country. I just, uh, I let Google worry about it. Yeah, I mean, the, the, issue, of, the issue of technical debt is, uh, is, is really interesting these days because obviously banks that have been around for a long time uh, are renowned, uh, notorious, pick your word, uh, for having very old systems. And there's a lot of technical debt that needs to be remediated um, from a variety of uh, points of view, stability, resilience, security, etc. But what I think we're also beginning to see is in the big vendors, the cloud platforms, the SaaS vendors, um, the core banking systems, that they haven't, they have also accumulated technical debt. And I think it's surprising to people to think, well, how could there be technical debt in the Google Cloud Platform, or the Azure Cloud Platform, or the Amazon Cloud Platform. Right. Yeah, well, exactly. They've been around for quite a long time, and just like any other organization, they they have to invest and keep up while they are having to meet customer demands, which are growing faster and faster. And so, technical debt is now everywhere. And and I'm interested in your approach. So how do you think about remediating technical debt in your organization? Because it's so diverse, I thought. I think it's it has to be proactively managed. This is the trick, right? And and again, I I like to believe you all agree on that easily. Um, that the problem really is that not that you have technical debt, 
The problem is it's not managed, right? So we, we have, as I said, we have a very rapid rollout uh, um, uh, uh, succession and rollout agenda. Um, and so, of course, we of course we also think about how can we do this? How can we 10x uh, shorten the time frame um, of doing complex stuff? And and then of course we make we make decisions where we say okay this needs to be refactored later or this needs to be changed later. The problem is not that decision. The problem is that you really have to do it later or or at some point it bites you when you don't want it and you you uh, you're dead in the water. Right? Come 11 11 and suddenly you can't scale. Then that, that's going to be that's going to be a really sad day. Um, and and maybe for some people maybe the last day. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I have seen even okay. startups. On the same note, I worked with a, a advice a startup a while back, and they exactly had that issue. They wanted to, um, they had the money, they had the success in one market, wanted to go to another market, and they had so much technical debt debt occurred, they they could not get the platform working in the other country. It was too slow. Uh, it could not be localized easily either, um, and it broke the neck of the company. I mean, again, it can happen even in startups. Yeah, I mean, I I can uh, I can concur. I'm at Stack Overflow. You know, we've had a platform for over 10 years now. You know, it's on Microsoft.net. And you know, it's only now that we're starting to realize, oh, there's some things that we need to rethink about the platform because, you know, a, a site that has 60 million users every month, that's not something you're going to just swap out right. the next day. Yeah. There's a ton of code, a lot that we've done around the architecture. And... You, you have to make a decision. What's important now to make sure we get things uh, running and continue to have, be able to support our users? At the same time, you know, what can we think about and put into the queue of future work and make sure we manage that future work, to your point, so that when the time comes, we have the capability and the time available to address the technical bends and actually start to do the things we want to do in terms of thinking about how we want to re-architect, yeah. you know, what we want to do with the code base, you know, what type of new products do we want to release on top of Stack Overflow, just like we've done with you know, our, our enterprise QA product. Yeah. That was a complete that, that took a lot of effort to even be able to fork that out right. and make it capable to actually you know drop inside a, another organization. Uh, Maybe maybe one additional yeah, point on this. Yeah. Maybe oh, yeah. additional this. I have one more point. You know, I, I sometimes I have crazy crazy ideas, and I went to to our um, uh, retail executive meeting and <clears throat> brought my head of engineering with, with me, great guy. And then we said, well, I let's talk about technical depth in uh, with all the you, you know CEOs, and and let's explain what that is. And of course, you could see. Uh, they saw the slide, and then there was a bit of a it was a it was a very detailed slide, a bit technical depth and agile flows, and and so 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 my colleague um, uh, uh, ran then through technical depth, and some eyes rolled, but he he set his ground and and explained, okay, this is what the technical depth is, you know, some some nice diagram, and uh, you can imagine, and then okay, how do we address it? We are splitting the points in each sprint. Um, across uh, uh, kind of uh, feature development and, and bugs, and of course, um, remediating technical depth in a, in a strategic manner. Uh, and so he explained this a bit, and it was a really good discussion. I mean, he would have thought total disaster is going to happen, uh, but it was the opposite is true. 
It was an excellent discussion. People asked the questions, wrote examples. They wanted to understand uh, what would happen. And, and so we explained and said, there's no, no, no immediate issues here. Um, even some of my technical product managers uh, joined uh, uh, join in and, and they explained their, their view on this. And, and, and then one of the presidents or one of the CEOs, he came back and he said, well, well, okay, this is great. And, and thank you for that. And of course, please go ahead and do it. And we trust you you're to prioritize what you need to do. And he said then, but let's talk a bit about uh, the functional debt, the process debt. And then we had another half an hour discussion about how to uh, improve and optimize, not only optimize uh, from, a, from a financial productivity point of view, but also, hey, what should be a good process, right? Where, have we, where can we not scale well in an organization or in a warehouse or whatever that might be? And, and what should it be? And it was, a, it was, again, it turned out to be uh, an extremely insightful discussion for both the, the tech folks in the room um, and, and the business folks, uh, and then leading up to, to a program to focus on this. I mean, I, I, th I just thought it was a, it was a good, this is, is a good sharing, you know? Yeah, yeah, that, that, that's awesome. I love that phrase, that process debt. Yeah. That's, the first, <laughs> that, that's the first time I've heard that, uh, Axel. I think that's a brilliant term. Yeah, and I think that, that it actually uh, describes eloquently, uh, and I'll, I actually, I'll share this with you and, and in the show notes, but a really great blog post by my colleague at Stack. Uh, Tom Limicelli, who does a lot around uh, SRE and uh, kind of the off side of the house. And he wrote this really great blog post about uh, if you are a CEO, do these are the things you need to understand about software. And technical debt was one of the key points he brought up. And he said, look, you, you have to explain in a way that uh, management or business understands that technical debt is a thing, not just some talking by a bunch of tech heads, right. you know, carving about things that don't really, yeah, yeah, that don't really make sense. Right. To talk about it from a process or business perspective makes a ton of sense. Yeah. So I'm going to leave it to you, Justin, to wrap us up. Okay. So Axel, this has been really fantastic. And, uh, you know, what we try and do in the podcast is we try and extract uh, when fur from, from the conversation uh, some practical things that our audience can think about or do tomorrow. Um, and what strikes me in this conversation, and this is often the case, when we talk to successful technology leaders like yourself, the conversation is almost always 10% about technology and 90% <laughs> about people, right? Indeed. And as you correctly say, we're all in the people business, and your focus on making that team, making that top team, uh, one joined up team uh, is, is important. And I think that we can do that even if we're not at the top table. So when you are in a meeting, when you are in um, an interaction with your business colleagues, and it could be a project steering committee, it could be you know something of that type, I think beginning to think about how you can approach it and shape the conversation towards what does this team around the table do? How can I influence and understand? How can I seek to understand and help them understand um, what, what I'm doing? I think that that's really important. And that goes to your next point around culture and how culture is so important. And, and I think that that culture comes from teaming and it comes from trusting our people. It comes from empowering and trusting them to do what we hired them to do. 
And the great thing about the team idea is that when someone is in a team, they have a bit of a safety net too, right? We don't all have to do everything on our own. That's the value of being in a team. And so teams, in my opinion, create an environment for trust. And let's face it, let's try to make it fun. Yeah, totally. Not, not misery. Yeah, totally. So don't be discouraged if it doesn't work once or twice. I mean, I, uh, we all got, uh, got a bloody nose every now and then. And, but then, hey, we, we, we keep going and we keep, we keep pushing for what we believe in. Um, and then, you, you know, people, people do listen and people also think about it. They're, they're, most people are quite intelligent, actually. Um, and they, they learn, right, eventually. And, and even on this team, I mean, Justin beats me, like, you know, relentlessly. I, I've got bloody noses all the time uh, from this podcast. I, but, you know, when we managed to make it fun enough, that I've not actually bolted for the door. All right. With, with that, uh, thank you so much, Axel. This has been, uh, uh, this has been a really great conversation. A lot, of, uh, a lot of great sharing. And really look forward to continuing the conversation. Thank you so much, Axel. Thanks, Axel. Thanks to you. Thanks a lot. Take care. Thank you for listening to the Heretex podcast today. We hope you listen to another one really soon. Please accept our apologies for any technical issues and sound quality. We promise we're getting better, and we hope you are too. See you soon.